This is Andre Shudan of The Crew Process and the Eaglesoft Field Guide on Facebook. You are listening to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry with Dr. Panks. Dentistry.com slash squadcast. I believe everyone has a story to tell. And if you want to start a podcast to tell your story, the easiest way to start one is Squadcast. No special hardwares, no special softwares needed for you or your guests. You simply start podcasting using any laptop or desktop or Android phone and even a Chromebook in a browser like Chrome, Firefox, Opera, brave. So, you may ask, how do you do it? Well, it's simple. As a host, you simply schedule an interview on your dashboard. Share that particular link to the guest and hit record to get studio quality audio. Done. No sign-ups needed by your guests, no special mics needed by anyone and still get studio quality audio. There can be up to four people at one time, including the host. You can even see the video of your guests. Connect any earphone or headphones with mic and you're golden. When you're done, simply stop recording and everything with separate tracks is automatically uploaded on your dashboard, ready to download in no time. Most of the basic audio editing is also automatically done when you download. Do I not make any sense? Well, they do have demo videos on their website to show you exactly how it is done. I did use the support and they have best-in-the-class support. They are so confident in their services that they have even compared their services with other competitors. Another thing that gives me peace of mind is redundancy. That means that even if there is some error, you can still get the backup of all the recordings sent to you in your email through your dashboard. So, if you really like the idea of starting your own podcast, podcastofdentistry.com slash Squadcast. The subscription starts only at $10 per month. You can cancel anytime through your account without making any calls or any chains of emails. Super easy. Once again, to support this show, simply go to podcastofdentistry.com slash Squadcast. Give it a try. Thank you for checking out Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry, session number 22. I'm your host, Dr. Pang Stingra. Today, we have a very cheerful and a perky guest, and is not only a dentist, but also a CEO of an award-winning dental software company called Yappy. Yes, we are talking about Dr. Gina Doffman. This interview is unlike any of her other interviews. It is not only very lively, which can be infectious, but also a story of a young girl. From nowhere to becoming a CEO of an award-winning dental software company called Yappy. We talked about her journey to open multiple dental offices and reaching a fork to decide between a DSO and Yappy. For those interested in day-to-day operations, we did discuss systems in office, hiring and firing process, when to hire an associate and how to keep the associates productive and happy. For those interested in the business aspect of Yappy, we discussed the growth 
trajectory, milestones, and finally, funding by angel investors from Massachusetts called Growth 33. Find out, find out about what a vivid vision is all about, what makes Yappy a different kind of a company, and learn directly from the CEO of the company. Gina opens her heart about the company and certainly about herself through our Tim Ferriss inspired questions. This is an inspiring and a happy interview with Dr. Gina Dorfman. I hope you have fun as much as I did. Please subscribe to our podcast at podcastofdentistry.com slash subscribe. And without further ado, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm finely. Uh, I'm hi. so sorry I'm late. This morning I'm like, where are my headphones? Where do I plug in the mic? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I have two computers set up. I'm transferring from one Mac to another and like everything is a mess. And I'm like spazzing this morning trying to find where everything is. Hey, as long as you're here today, um, that works. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. One of my favorite bands, Metallica. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, so my, uh, I love Metallica. I love Nirvana. One of my other like all-time favorite bands is Scorpions, and that happens to me all the time. I'm constantly like qu- quoting something from Scorpions because I'm, you know, being coming from Russia. The German bands were the first ones to start visiting Russia when I was there. When you know. It was before the Berlin Wall collapse that I came here, but uh, mm-hmm. they they came there before that. So to me, that was a big deal. And, uh, I still attend every single concert that I have an opportunity to attend. Wow, that's impressive. That is, I didn't know you were basically from you know that part of the world. Yeah, you know? Soviet Union. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, um, I the only band I. Uh, recently you know uh, had a pleasure of visiting was with uh, uh, corn and um, they came uh, I'm from Connecticut I'm in Connecticut right now so they came in Connecticut and it was awesome I got the front row seats and everything it was beautiful it love was it. beautiful it takes a yeah. I love it I love it they're a great band it's a great band well thank you thank you for coming in uh, to hashtag POD podcast of dentistry uh, for my guests for my uh, for my audience uh, who don't know even I was surprised that you're from that part of the world called Soviet Union so tell us a little bit about your journey from that part of the world from Soviet Union coming here and is that part of the reason uh, where you are right now it has to be part of the reason because um you know, you live in a certain environment and it, it sort of molds you in the, in the person you are. And in fact, I believe that many people who come from communist countries are very, or socialist countries rather, um, are very entrepreneurial. Yeah. For me, the idea that I will own my own business one day was not even a question. It, like, it was like, which business? But wow. It, it had to be a business mm. and uh, it had to be my own and I, I had to have full control of it, you know? So um, it's, you know, it's interesting coming from that part of the world because, um, you know, you're exposed to certain things that many people here in the States don't 
know that are going on, don't understand, don't appreciate the reality. Mm. Um, so my we my family's been trying to immigrate since the seventies, mm. and uh, we we were almost about to leave. I mean, we were packed, and then we were declined um, exit by the Soviet government. Um, my one of my grand well both of my grandfathers were physicists and so i i don't know something that they were involved with the russians didn't want to let them go and so mm. we we were considered um refugees my grandfather was a dissident um and then one time when they as soon as they opened um exit as soon as gorbachev came to to rule and he said you know anyone who's not happy can leave uh, we just left. Um, mm. And we, you know, we, we lived in Italy, we lived in Austria, it was the whole process by which you immigrate. Um, because there were no diplomatic relationships between Soviet Union and uh, United States at the time. Um, but we ended up here. And it's just, you know, it's interesting to watch your parents rebuild their life as adults, you know, sure. just leave literally leave everything behind, pack a couple of suitcases and come here. No valuables. We weren't allowed to bring papers. Um, some of our relatives were able to send us some old photographs later on. Like it's, it's just, it's the, the process is crazy, but then you come here and you just feel so grateful for this country and for the opportunities that this country um, allows to people like me. It's, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you become, uh, it's a lifelong commitment after that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, it had to be mm. part of the reason where I'm today, uh, which like, I don't know where, where am I today? Like, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but <laughs> Got it. Whatever, whatever it is, it's definitely part of the process. And it's funny because, you know, we give up our citizenship, but on my birth certificate, uh, it says that I was born in Leningrad, Soviet Union, which mm. neither Leningrad nor Soviet Union, <laughs> any yeah. any longer an entity. Um, so I'm I'm a, I'm from nowhere, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is an uh, <clears throat> uh, interesting story. I didn't. I never knew about um, that about you, uh, even though uh, I read everything, whatever I could find uh, <laughs> about Mopsy. I should say. <laughs> that's my that's my dental town name and it's funny because every time howard ferran sees me he, he'd be like yelling across the whole mopsy <laughs> and um he actually pulled me on uh on main stage at the townie meeting one time um mm. i don't remember what year it was it was mm. like earlier on maybe 2008 or something or 2010 something like that and he's like are you a woman or are you a cat because mopsy is my cat's name uh, oh. at the <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, no what about mopsy like what is does it have a specific meaning is it really a cat's name your cat's name <laughs> it's, it's it's my cat's name that's uh, just cat's uh, name um, uh, okay so okay so interesting story about dental town um i was building an office uh, from scratch in 2002 mm -hmm. and um i had some question about dentrix or you know something like that my dad is a software engineer so i asked him he was essentially my it when i started my practice and he was researching something about uh dentrix and he came across uh dental town so he calls me and he's like uh, Gina, what is uh, what does O stand for in MOD? And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> like, that's a weird question from my dad, right? Right, right. And that was the entry question to Dental Town. And then an hour later, he calls it. He's like, you got to get on this thing. This is this is amazing. Mm. And that was like early years. I was um, one of the, I think, original 100 posters or something like that. I, mm. And and at some point, uh, Tarun Agarwal, um, when they were hosting their very first townie meeting, they gave everyone a medal for the most number of posts. They were like if you posted more than a thousand times by that time, you got a medal and I have the medal. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you graduated in 2000, right? From USC. Yes. And yes. within two years at that time, I understand it was still 20 years ago. Um, how did you have so much confidence to start an office from scratch it, within two years of graduation, you know, uh, what brought in that confidence uh, at that stage when you're so young, relatively graduating from, you know, uh, from USC? That that was almost always part of my plan. Like, you know, I went to dental school and, uh, you know, at the time, the first day, I already knew what kind of practice I was going to have. And, uh, you know, to me, it was just, it was not even a question. I knew I was going to pull it off. I don't know where the confidence came from. Um, stupidity, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I always, I had this idea for, for the type of practice that I wanted to have, which was a large group practice with other associates working there because having life-work balance was important to me. But also because I wanted to have specialties under the same roof. I wanted to have... Um, anything from, you know, seeing kids, seeing adults, surgery, um, endo. I didn't want patients going out of the practice. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to have a fully digital practice. Mm -hmm. So, which was, you know, in 2002, that was still kind of like a little bit early um, sure. in that sense. But yeah. um, I remember um, at USC, when most students were studying like Krebs cycle and geeking out on, <laughs> uh, you know, pathways of the pulp, I was running downstairs to the basement to read the new issue of dental economics, you know, so not to say that, you know, it's, it, it replaces uh, business education, but I was always interested in that aspect. And mm. so for me, that was not even a question of, it was just a question of when, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. So I think, uh, do you think it has something to, uh, when did you move from from Leningrad or from Russia or Soviet Union to? Um, 89. 89. 1989. How yeah. old were you, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> I don't. You can do the math. I, I, I was 16 at the time. Yeah. Okay. So you had seen some part of that word, you know, uh, and probably, was that instrumental in you saying, okay, you know, you want to be uh, the owner of your own destiny kind of thing? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there's, that there's does no make question sense. about it. So you started your first office, and then I figured that you also opened two more offices? Yeah, so uh, the second office um, was almost an accident or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't planning to open an office at the time. Uh, mm. It was... I was interested in building uh, a small DSO at the time, which again, it's kind of like hot now, but back then a lot of people weren't doing it. And in fact, 
it was very like people were kind of judgmental against it like you know now it's yeah. cool right now like cool. you're building a dso but yeah. like in 2002 it was all about private dentistry and and it wasn't considered cool so we we called it group practices or multiple location practices so i i thought about it um and i i even we, we talked to a few colleagues about it but um one time i noticed that um oh one time my office manager comes in and says you know there's an office across town with a similar name did you start the practice like why didn't why didn't you tell mm. me and i said no i didn't start yet i was thinking about it but i didn't so i checked it out and it, the name was very similar to my practice so i mm. thought about doing something about it and then i was like ah eh, whatever it doesn't matter it, it doesn't affect me and then uh, maybe a few months later, my husband and I went for lunch mm -hmm. to In-N-Out. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's the same plaza where that office is. Let's go check it out. So mm -hmm. we we went to look at it and there was a police sign on the door. Um, and I we called the landlord and we bought the office that same day. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it already has a sign. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we um, we uh, yeah. we bought it for like $60,000. Unfortunately, the lady who started the practice um, didn't make it. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure what the circumstances were, but I could tell like sh there were a lot of things that she did that I would have done differently. Mm. Um like, for example, she didn't have anyone full-time answering phone calls. And I understand she was trying to control costs, but that, yeah. like, that's important. That plaza was, there was a, a bank with an ATM on one side. Yeah. There was a nail salon on the other side. There was a Starbucks and in and out. I mean, the plaza was so busy. Yeah. Home Depot, um, uh, like where they sell plants was like uh, right across from the office. It had okay. visibility from two sides of the road. We mm. were having people walking in asking for appointments and her office was closed when she wasn't there. Mm. So mm. She missed out on, on uh, some opportunities, but one of the, I, I never did any marketing. We, I, we put a table outside, which was very close to the ATM and we had a little um, pencil holder because people who use ATM always need um, pens, pen. right? So yeah. we had the pencil holder with some pens. We had some water. We had some business cards and some toothbrushes. Nice. And and that's how we were getting pa patients into the door. And the, that office was profitable. Obviously, I bought it for sixty thousand dollars, fully yeah. equipped. Yeah. 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 Probably yep. spend another thirty to end uh, to add a pedo bay to it and to um, add yep. some equipment, buy supplies. Uh, but it was cheap and it was great location and that office was profitable day one. Um, and then I signed a lease for th third practice. But at the time I had to make a decision. Do I go after Yappy full time or do I go after the DSO? And I felt like my heart was with Yappy. So we ended up um, selling and I just have my original location now. Okay, so you already answered my question. So uh, it was around 2007, 2008 when you decided, okay, you know what, do you, you want to go towards Yappy or you want to go towards uh, the DSO? It was, well, 2010 is when we started the dental practice. Okay. And um, I'm sorry, uh, when we started Yappy. Hmm. And I didn't sell the, the practices until um, a few years later, but 
you know, in 2010, I was like, I didn't know what we were doing with, with Yappy. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't roll out of bed and start a software company, right? So well, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, uh, I have a very, so. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to Yappy, of course. We are and people, you know, who don't know about Yappy, like they, I don't know what they're yapping about, right? <laughs> um, well, jokes apart. Uh, for people who don't know, Yappy is a software company uh, deals with uh, you know uh, communication, interpersonal intercommunications in the office itself, along with the communication with the patients uh, and paperless charts and so much. We'll, we'll talk about it, um, but let's let's go back to your office story. So you eventually you sold it. Now you have only one office with multiple associates, right? That's right. When you have, how do you make sure that, you know, in your uh, bigger office right now, how do you make sure that the associates are productive enough, you know, uh, along with making sure that the patients like them? You know, there are two different things. You, you have to, uh, you know, some some patients some dentists or associates are really fast in their work, but they're they don't have the bedside manners. And some people don't have they have a lot of bedside manners, but they're not good associates. So getting a combination is hard. But how do you in this office? Uh, how do you maintain that balance, so to speak? That's an excellent question. So first of all, it's important to have a couple of things. It's important to have enough patience for an associate, right? Mm. Because a lot of doctors hire associates, um, but they don't, you know, with an idea that they're going to grow, but then they don't have enough patients for the associate to be productive. And so, you know, good people have a choice of where they can work. Because mm. if, if associate is good associate, but doesn't have bedside manner, or they don't have the hand skills, or they're not, you know, they don't have the desire to be productive. Mm-hmm. That it's harder for them to find a job. But if they're amazing, awesome, they can work anywhere, right? Sure. So you have to have a place where they want to work, which means having enough work for them, which means, and this is a situation that I see with practices um, actually very frequently, is uh, someone will hire an associate, mm. but then they'll say, okay, well, you can do all the buckle pits and all <laughs> the kids, and you can do removable because I don't like doing removable, but I'm going to do all the crown and bridge because that's where, you know, that's, that's fun. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't cherry pick patients. You can't, you know, and a lot of times that means when you hire an associate, you got to step back. Mm. And so for me, and I, I talked about it on one podcast. I don't remember where, I think it might've been on the hex. The first mm. time I hired an associate, um, I, I was pregnant. So I had to step away. Like that wasn't a choice. I uh, the second time I hired an associate, um, I was pregnant. So I had, again, I had to step away. I had no choice. Well, I'm not going to keep yeah. having babies, right? So at some point I realized that, look, I'm just going to stop working or cut down my days so that the associate can get going, so they can get productive mm -hmm. and busy right away, so they actually stay with the practice. So that's one. you gotta, you got to make it um, a good place for people so they actually want to work there. And where I'm lucky now is that I don't have to look for associates. Uh, the last associate I hired actually reached out to me and asked me if, um, if yeah. I, you know, if I was hiring. Um, I, and, and again, I did the same thing. I used to do a couple of days a week still like, you know, up, up until 
this pandemic, I was working two days a week, not full days even, but I was still working two days. Mm -hmm. uh, but I hired someone to work uh, two days a week. And so I completely stopped. Again, that has nothing to do with pandemic. It just kind of worked out this way. Mm -hmm. But I have to step back so that my associate has patience. Right? Got it. Got it. And that's that's critical. But now I'm at a place where my current two associates were referred to me by previous associates. Uh -huh. um, so they know my style. They know, um, you know, what I like. And the mm -hmm. people who are referred to me are a good match for that reason. Um, and also, I don't hire people without personality. Like personality, part of being part of the culture is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I hire people who already match culture. But again, I have a choice of whom to hire because people want to work in my practice. Got and that's that's very important. I, I know that a lot of doctors don't have that luxury, mm. um, but that's, you know, they got to create a practice where there is enough work for associates and where the culture is strong enough to support them. That makes sense. That makes sense. So give them a lot of work so that they are productive and you take back and then... Uh, give them enough, uh, a good culture, uh, give them enough good staff such that they feel almost saying that you're spoiling them, basically, you know, so that they don't like anybody else or anywhere else to be <laughs> and, and stay stay where they are right now. Well, I mean, OK, so if you were to date someone or if you were to, you know, uh, yeah. meet someone that you want to be friends with, mm -hmm. you treat those people really, really well. Right. Sure. Same sure. thing with associates, same thing with employees. Um, right. I, I don't know that I'm spoiling my employees, but I treat them really well. Mm. Um, and I think that I do with my associates is I give them, I have something called uh, like, um, I forget what I call it. Um, I don't want to say like associates handbook because that just sounds like a book of rules. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a collection of what I, what I would do type of situations, right? Like this is, this is how I, this is my philosophy clinically. This is how I treat my um, assistants. This is how I treat my patients. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. And I send it to them beforehand, before I, I hire anyone. And I say, this is, this is how I work. And for calibration purposes, it's important that you work the same way. So if this is not for you, this is, if, that, if this is not your style, if you have um, a significant difference in um, how you treat your patients uh, or clinical philosophy, then don't get started. Like, don't, you know, this is not a job for you. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I have, I don't play some algum because I'm in California. And when <laughs> I first, my, I bought, when I first opened my practice, yeah. uh, I bought like a jar of, of amalgam and I, it expired before I was able to use it up like eight sure. years later, right? Because no one wanted amalgam. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, amalgam even though i don't do it in my practice um it just made sense for me to completely eliminate it because it why would i have like the amalgamator and all of that equipment? yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. No one yep. wants it, right? uh but if you don't if you believe that amalgam is toxic and you want to remove amalgam wearing a respirator that's not the right practice for you because that's not my practice philosophy and i and it's an extreme example but i get pretty granular about my treatment philosophies, what I watch, what I don't watch. I don't want someone coming in and cutting up off every cusp because they're aggressively crowning everything. Sure. And I don't want anyone watching everything that I think should be fixed. Sure. So I communicate about those issues. And I mm. also, 
when I hire them from the beginning, um, I give them my best assistance, which means that not only they're very quick, not only they can overcome the doctors just sort of like, you know, trying to figure things out in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but they're also able to tell the doctor's competence. And, you know, and so a lot of the stuff gets reported to me, like, you know, what they're missing, what they're treatment planning, where they're different from me. Yeah. And I trust these assistants because they're not just being like nosy them. about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nosy. Yeah. You know, they know the process. They understand the process. They understand like the doc the associates that I have, my staff loves them. And that's mm. so important. You know, that they don't just like me. They like these associates. They they have cute nicknames for like we have uh <laughs> one of my associates, Dr. Lee, they call him Flash just because he's super fast. He's uh. also super Gentle. He's he has great uh, bedside manner. He's very uh, affable. He's he's mm. funny, but he's super fast. So they call him Flash. God. And I just recently um, came to the uh, yesterday. I came to the office and I saw a photo, uh, his childhood photo that someone posted on the wall, and they're like. Doctor Flash as a as a child, something like that, and I, I just thought it was so cute. Yeah. Like that's the kind of relationship they have, and I think that's so important um, to have that that support system for a doctor. Because the worst thing you can have as an associate is a is a place where the staff doesn't respect you, right? Yeah. So yep. That, yep. that's critical. But another reason I give them my best associate uh, assistant is because, um, okay, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, my second practice that I was working as a as an uh, as an associate myself after dental school uh I had a patient sit in my chair who needed a stainless steel crown a kid and it was the first stainless steel crown that I had to do and I had no idea so they gave me a crown and they gave me crimping pliers and I had no clue what to do with that no clue and i and i was like i was just like fumbling with it and then the assistant very quietly took it out of my hand and crimped the crown for me and like that's what i want for my associates starting up starting out whether they're new or they're seasoned and they're just new to my office i want them to have that kind of support so it's easier for them to come in and work and i think that's that's so important. That's how that, you know, yeah, it reminds me so many other times about my own assistant who was really good. Uh, well, I think the interview is about you, not about me. So we'll carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think um, uh, going back to a similar th- story, I think you said, um, and you said, uh, I agree doc- what Dr. Tuan Pham from Dental Maverick, uh, you know him, and he said, uh, I second what Tuan said. Don't be average. It's boring. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, I second what Tuan said. Don't be average. It's boring. <laughs> How would you elaborate on that? Uh, well, I have to tell you, the, you know, I've been called a lot of things, but I've never been called boring <laughs> or average. <laughs> so what, here's what it means. Uh, I think... And I don't remember the context in which, you know, this conversation, um, you know, took place. But I'll give yeah. you an example where it applies to uh, to dentistry. Um, we all, we, so we're general dentists. We're like, sure. we do everything, right? Sure. We sure. open a practice um, and it's your typical practice that does your typical dentistry. 
that has your typical processes and it's for a patient, like, why should I come and see you? And then you have a list of your accolades, like, I, I, you know, and then every practice says member of ADA, member of AGD, and this is all great, but like, as a patient, why would I choose you? And so, you know, one, one way you can be not average is you can be the gal who's known for sleep apnea, like Erin Elliott, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can yep. be the guy who's known for um, implants like Justin Moody, you can, you've got to be known for something. You, you right. need to stand out of the crowd so that people want to come to you. Sure. Now, in my case, I just wear red a lot. So that like, I've just noticed, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also very loud and opinionated, <laughs> but, but, but you, you have to stand out somehow, whether it's your marketing, because you can't just market. I'm a nice dentist in a nice part of town. I take your insurance. I'm open late. Come and see me. Cause that's, that's everyone, right? Right. Yep. You yep. gotta be, you gotta be known for something, whether it means, so in my practice, actually, what we did is, um, I started doing a lot of pediatric dentistry because, um, you know, at the time, there mm -hmm. was no pediatric dentist on my side of town. We had all of the pediatric uh, uh, dentists were like in a better part of town. Not that I'm in a bad part of town. I'm like in a blue collar neighborhood. Sure. Uh, but all of the pediatric dentists were in Valencia, which was like the high end part of Santa Clarita, where my practice is at. Right. My second practice was in Valencia, but my original practice was a very blue collar um, type of community. And um and so I started doing a lot of pediatrics and I kind of marketed everything under the same roof. And that wasn't done in, at, at the time. And so um, I built a really cute Harry Potter playroom for kids. <laughs> we had murals on the wall. And again, it's, it's a lot of people are doing it now. At the time in my community, it wasn't being done. And so people were coming in and they're like, whoa, this is this is so cute. This is incredible. I love Harry Potter. And yeah. that's kind of became part of our story in the community. Right. And even now, I mean, there, there are not a lot of practices like mine and, and people come in and they love the fact that they can get everything done. Um, you know, someone can get their implants done while the kids are getting their profits. And so, right. um, you know, you, you have to do that with, mm -hmm. with your practice and it could be, um, I have a practice, um, um, I have a friend whose practice, he bought an average practice mm -hmm. and then he turned it into an implant center. Now mm -hmm. he still does average dentistry, right? Okay. But, but he's known as the guy to go to in to town implants. for implants. He, um, and actually they had an interesting marketing strategy where uh, kind of authority building. Uh, he published a book, uh, he recorded the TV show, talking mm. about implants. And so he really created the story about himself that he's the go-to guy go -to person, for implants yeah. in his community. And while there are a lot of other guys placing implants, in, he's like in North California, um, Tim Rao. While a lot of guys are placing implants, he's mm -hmm. the go-to guy because he literally wrote the book. In yeah, he's created authority in that, in that um, uh, domain, I should say, yeah. Right. That makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that means you have to be a little different than your own peers in your own community, whether it's being taking care of the kids or you have everything under one roof. Uh, the way I 
sell at least my office in my office uh, people who have insurance or not i say i'm costco of dentistry i get you good you know i get you good quality work you know and they're not expensive um and you get bulk of bulk of work done at a reasonable cost you see uh, so that's what i try to sell and you know one of my patients uh, she said oh you do invisalign you do implants you do root canals you do dentures you do extractions what you, what you don't do i said third molar sometimes right <laughs> <laughs> no wheezes uh, so what what you know my practice recently and this is not because of me this is because of my associate dr jeff um mm -hmm. Uh, we're number one Invisalign provider in uh, our geographical area. We're in the Los Angeles County. Like, that's that's wow. a big deal, right? That's a big like, deal. It is a big to deal. To get there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and, I love, and I love the Costco analogy because I also have an analogy for my team. Yeah, sure. I say we are the happiest place on earth. Ooh, we are, like not Disneyland. But, like, again, that's, like, <laughs> big, right? But it's a constant mantra in my office that we are, we only hire happy people. No yes. bitching is allowed. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't know if I can say that yeah. word. Oh, yeah. That. You can curse, fuck word, oh. X word. Everything is allowed here. If Perfect. Kid... I'm a, this, yeah. is, this is like nirvana for me. We, we're this talking is, about rock yeah, bands we can talk, Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> music too. Yeah, anything, anything. So, I, you know, we I don't tolerate... Um, it's okay to vent, right? Like if you're sure. frustrated and um, who is it? Um, I want to say Gordon Ramsay, but I'm probably, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm mm -hmm. uh, mentioning mm -hmm. the right name, but um, there's something about um, gossiping that, that is so toxic. And, and he has a really good analogy for what gossiping is. It's when you complain about something to a person who can do nothing about it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so if I am, if, if an employee comes to me complaining yeah. about, I don't know, treatment plans that an associate creates, yeah. they're coming to the right person. That's not gossiping. Mm. But if she talks to other assistants about it, now, now that's gossiping. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're so saying. So having that, and a lot of people don't realize that they're gossiping when they're doing this. Because they think gossiping is like talking about, you know, who slept with whom and like, you know, <laughs> stuff. Yeah. but a lot of times gossiping is about work and they don't realize it and they create this toxicity and negativity. And it's just not allowed in my office. And it was funny because I was talking to Howard Ferran years ago sure. and he said, in my office, no gossiping allowed. I'm like, yeah. well, you can't just like prohibit that and then it disappears. Yes. yes but it's yes. interesting when you start this as a, as a, kind of value as a culture mm -hmm. and you talk about it and you and you bring examples and you like no one wants to tolerate that anymore it yeah. really becomes a thing yes, and it's it and it's it's and and so in my office we're the happiest place on earth like and if that. you want to talk about you know stuff we can talk about it but it has to be with the right people sure. not just walking around the office talking about what bothers you to everyone who cannot do anything exactly about. Right, right, right. No, that helps. So since we're since we're already touching on management, you know, staff management, team management, uh, you know, let me ask you one situation which you mentioned again on Invisalign. Uh, sorry, on Dentaltown. Uh, the situation was, how did you handle the staff who had thrown away a full Invisalign case? <laughs> <laughs> 
what is the story behind that? I'm sure that is funny. So, you know, let's... you know, no, it's not actually that funny. Okay. Uh, it's it's okay. expensive. <laughs> yeah. We'll start there. So, um, you know, again, I don't remember like it, I, it's possible that it happened more than once, wow. but I think you're referring to the one that just happened recently. Yes. Uh, and so what happened is I'm, my office is very organized. Like mm. everything is labeled, everything has a place and it actually helps because we're not throwing as many things away as <laughs> we used to. <laughs> so okay. for example, for example, you know, those uh, rubber dam clamps, yes. like little yes. uh, implant drivers. Sure. That's like number one thing that gets thrown away. Sure. So in my practice, they go into little boxes um, and then on the box, it says what uh, implant system it is. And then there are pictures of what goes inside of the box posted inside of the cabinet. And mm. there's a label where each system goes, right? So it's almost a pot like you, you, you know, a monkey wouldn't throw anything away. <laughs> um, and the rule is you have to pack the box. So like if you obviously have things on the tray, but mm. before you leave, you put everything in the box and you you know, and then you sterilize it. Yeah. Has anything been thrown away? I'm sure. I don't count the rubber dam clams. Sure. But I, I give you my word that I have not lost a single implant driver in since 2003 when oh, my oncologist started to work with me. I've never had to replace one. Beautiful. I mean, short of like you know, like it's like got stripped or something, right? Yeah, but yeah. I've never had to replace one because it was it was lost. Wow. Um, so what happened with the Invisalign case, sure. um, it was, we ran out of room because Dr. Jeff is so productive with Invisalign. So we needed to move those cases into another location. And I had one case where this guy had a bunch of mid, mid, uh, course corrections. Uh, mm. it's a tough case. Uh, it was my case actually. It was not Dr. Jeff's case. It was a tough case. Um, and mm -hmm. he was really good in the beginning, but then with the pandemic, he started to kind of slide off and he had another mid-course correction. They threw away a case because they thought it wasn't an original case. Uh -huh. It was one of the old, <laughs> you know, and yeah. during the cleaning, like they meant well. Um, and what I did is I didn't know about it because they, they reorder it. And when they reorder it, they ended up, um, I ended up, getting a bill and that's bill. how i found out about it sure and i was pretty upset that i got the bill but mm. the way that i handled it is i asked what happened and they told me and i said well next time it happens just tell invisalign it's a mid-course correction and don't tell them it's a lost <laughs> case <laughs> which i know is a little bit dishonest but come on i make enough money for them right <laughs> they can give me one case one, one case. case yeah yeah but I what i you. did here's what i didn't do i didn't chastise anyone i didn't yell at anyone mm. um i didn't um because people have to be allowed to make mistakes. i don't want employees being scared of me and and being afraid to tell me the truth right sure, sure. and i don't want them to not want to step up yeah so so i, I treated them respectfully i said guys next time just tell them it was a course correction but i yeah. get it people make mistakes i make mis i make 12 mistakes before lunch and if I, you know, I would have fired myself every single time <laughs> if I made a mistake, right? Or I would have yelled at myself. Yeah. That would be that would be pretty crazy. So why would I treat my my good employees like that? So going back to good employees, so 
why do you think all these employees who've been i think it's a similar question uh which i asked you about the associates but uh it's a different scenario with associates versus the employees and assistants uh why do you think your uh team members uh except the associates uh, that lasted you so long with you like 10 to 18 years uh what is the overarching reason for them to stay with you for as long as they do so the number one reason why employees leave is because they feel unappreciated right and mm-hmm. and we hear that all the time and and it's interesting how it works you know like okay and i i hear doctors say look i pay your salary i buy your christmas gifts um you know like why do you feel un- unappreciated but i felt something especially this is especially true with millennial employees yeah they were raised in the in the uh environment where they got uh an award every time you know there was like <laughs> hey 13th place award yay yes, yeah. <laughs> graduation so award <laughs> you ha- they have to hear from you that they're valued right and so Uh, again i can't recall who said that right now but they um huh. they would walk around the office with a, a bunch of paper clips in the pocket huh. and every time they complimented an employee on their work they would move the paper clip to another pocket and the goal was to use up all of the to move all of the paper clips by the end Ooh. of the day interesting interesting A lot of women's clothes don't have pockets. So I don't literally walk around <laughs> with uh with pockets full of of, of paper clips. Yeah. But and by the way, if there are any clothing manufacturers listening to this show, they need to make dresses with pockets for women. That's like so important. Not for paper clips, like for stuff, lipstick, phone, like maybe pockets. Maybe uh that could be your new company, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you know, uh, dresses with pockets, know. you know. It's called Dappy. <laughs> Instead of Yappy, it'll be Dappy, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh but you know, you have to make it the goal to catch people doing things right frequently, right? Because mm-hmm. that you fill their cups, that makes mm-hmm. their day. Um I just wrote a, a an article which mm. I really need to shorten because for an article 6000 words is a little much but i just had so much to say yeah um and the article is about my um favorite coach greg popovich mm. he you know greg is not known as a nice guy like he's like that dentist who throws instruments i don't know who those dentists are but like there's always that assistant who's worked for a dentist who used to throw instruments right yeah yeah so you know and 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 you hear that um our mutual uh friend recently was shared uh when he his assistant lost um uh, uh like his post or something hmm. he yeah he, he bought posts and the assistant lost it and he said something to assistant like what am i supposed to do now like drive off to the woods and swallow a bullet Mm. uh which i thought was hilarious but sure. the the office manager got sort of worried about him she literally called his wife to pick him up from the office to make sure that he doesn't drive off into the woods right like uh, i i suddenly uh, lost um a track of my my track of thoughts with that but i don't know why i mentioned this right now well, but you were talking about your your article of 6000 oh yes greg Pop- so you know greg right. is is very uh when he was a coach he was he would get into people's faces he would yell at, at his um mm-hmm, uh players mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But he also treated them like family. Like he treated them with love, and and he, you know, he would talk to each one of them as a person about things that had nothing to do with basketball. Uh, he would know their favorite, like if they traveled somewhere, he would give them an article about the town where they were going and the restaurants that they should visit. Mm. Um, mm. There was one time where um, I don't remember who it was. One of the other coaches um went through a divorce and um his kids were in town and they were pretty upset because they had to go on a road and and you know they didn't get enough time with their dad mm-hmm. and Popovich literally told this guy like if you come to work and leave your kids behind I will yeah. fire you you know because family always comes first great great right? yep so yep. so he tre- he filled their cups and 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 that's you have to do that with people when you work with with people so much it's not enough to pay them well and i'm not saying you should get i you know i'm not friends on facebook with them i'm not like they they're not going to come to me and talk to me about some like really private matters unless it's something like you know someone is going through a divorce or whatever like they're not going to share like date nights with me we're not buddies (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm very you know i'm my space i'm the boss you know but at the same time, whenever they do something right, I tell them, I I catch them and I, I share it with other people because I think sure. it's important for them to feel valued, to feel important, mm-hmm. to feel that okay, people come to work. Nobody goes to work to screw things up. Like no one, you know, does their hair in the morning, putting makeup <laughs> and driving to work thinking, I'm going to really mess it up today. Yeah, today. No one, no one comes in. I mean, maybe some people are toxic, whatever, but... For the most part, everyone comes to work mm. wanting to do well, sure. and they want to be acknowledged on that. And then a lot of times, uh, what also happens? Here's another thing: what happens? There sure. are some people that shouldn't be on the team. They're toxic for many sure. reasons. They're mm-hmm. complainers, whiners, slackers. But we tolerate them for too long. Sure. Um, we we say, oh, you know, um, I, I'm gonna deal with it after the holiday. Yeah. Or you know, but she's she does her work. You know, where am I gonna find another one? She's the mm. only one who knows how to use care credit. You know, right. like we come up with all kinds of excuses when someone is not good enough to fire, right? Sure. I'm uh, bad enough to fire them to say. Uh, yep. And, I got and you. so we allow them to stay on the team for too long. And what happens, it drives the good people away. Those who really go to bed for us, those who are uh, hardworking, who are loyal, who are fiercely loyal, and they do so much, they feel like, you know, I'm doing all the work. Mm-hmm. And here's Debbie uh, constantly on Facebook, constantly like slacking off, constantly calling in sick. And Dorfman allows it. So why should I work hard? Maybe I should yep. go somewhere where my hard work is appreciated. Yep. Right? Yep. I understand. I understand. So, so you catch the good people doing the right thing and you publicly acknowledge it. Sure. And you catch the bad people doing bad things and you just let them go. Like I don't berate anyone. I don't I wouldn't publicly mm-hmm. embarrass anyone, but but I don't tolerate uh bad behavior easily. And if it's really bad behavior, not a mistake, uh, but if it's bad behavior and there are certain types of bad behavior that we can identify, um yeah. toxic behavior, lying um you know calling yeah. in all the time Fake, and, yeah. they, and maybe a good person maybe they just have a lot of turmoil in their life yeah. but yeah. that doesn't mean that it needs to be affecting the, the business good part 
my yeah, the good part of the business. business. Now, so now, now here's the situation. There, yeah. well, well, here's the situation, and I really agree with you. But this this is one situation which I've seen it over and over, and I'm gonna throw it at you. And uh, with your team management skills, maybe you have a better answer. Uh, so, so in a small to medium office, you know, they face there is only one or maybe one and a half hygienist, and this is an example of an hygienist, but it applies to front desk, manager, whatever, you know, any team member, basically. There's only one or maybe one and a half hygienist and he or she is not as good as they're expected to be. Okay. You know that if you confront him or her, he or she will leave and now your schedule will fall apart. Right. Especially yeah. how are you going to handle such team members, uh, issues with such team members, especially when they are so few hygienists or team members available, especially during pandemic or, you know, post pandemic, whatever you want to say, you know, and this is, situation applies to everybody like front desk, assistants, you know, how would you, how would you handle uh, such a scenario? So the, the office where um, there, there was in the parking lot of, um, you know, Home Depot and Starbucks yeah, that I was yeah, talking about yeah. earlier, practice number two. Yeah. Um, I once had to go in on a Wednesday and fire the entire team, including the associate. Um, it was when it was early in the practice. The associate mm. was great, okay. it was, you know, uh, clinically. Mm -hmm. She was toxic. And I allowed this behavior because she was good as an associate. Got it. And uh, but she was stirring up issues and I was constantly dealing with like this assistant is arguing with this assistant and that, you know, front office is now against the assistant and the hygienist is upset. So I ended up uh, letting her go. And uh, that, on a Wednesday and Thursday, I had to send now this is a slightly different situation. Um, it was actually a small practice. There were there was one hygienist, one associate and um like seven people in total right okay okay so i had to move people from my other office into this office just to you know not close the office down completely sure um which obviously affected my production mm -hmm. but that's it had to be done because i hired new team for that office and that office performed financially way better than um, it's, it's ever done before okay. because the dynamic in the office has changed. changed. And, um, so long-term it was a good decision. Interestingly, this associate and the hygienist and the office manager. So mm -hmm. she now, she then rented a place down the street from me mm -hmm. and hired the, the hygienist, hired the office manager, took my patient list, started to contact the patients. Hmm. Um, which I, you know, one of the patients actually recorded the phone call oh, and wow. send it to me, which hmm. we sent her a cease and desist letter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so she stopped doing that. She stopped sure. using my list because mm -hmm. she, you know, that was illegal, but competition is not illegal. So she actually played, placed an ad in the paper that said, uh, like oh, a big yeah. ad full yep. page, uh, don't fear Dr. Fang is still here. <laughs> something like that. And, and, uh, but you know what? Despite yep. that, despite that, I don't know how she's doing, but despite that, yeah, my office did better without her. So mm. 
That's um, an example of, and of course, in my case, it was a little bit easier because I had the team team from uh, one the other place office, to the office, but that affected yeah. production in my other office. Got it. So the point is that it's gonna hurt. It's like a bandaid, right? Like it's gonna hurt, but you mm. gotta you gotta do it. What do you have when you have cancer? Mm. You cut it out, and and after the operation, you have to lay out for a couple of weeks, right? You can't go to work the next day. That got affects it. everything, but you gotta deal with it because when you don't. Your other hygienist, who is good, might quit because she doesn't want to work with this with this toxic employee. Toxic, got it. So it's just like uh, you know, rip the bandit apart and you know, just rip it off. Just rip, rip it, it off. off because this person. There's <laughs> actually a study. There was actually a study done in. Um, I forget. I seem to have memory problems. It's a <laughs> Sunday a... morning, and I'm in, I'm in California, so, so it's a little earlier for me. Um, That's okay. But uh, so there was a study done, uh, I think, in Australia, mm. where they intentionally placed a bad apple employee in different companies, and they measured how this bad employee affected the productivity and the morale of the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly how they measured this, sure, sure. but in every situation, and this bad apple was like played a different type. Sometimes he was a slacker. Sometimes he was just a toxic gossiper. Mm. Sometimes he was, uh, you know, the type that rolls their eyes and like, mm-hmm. so play different type of a bad apple. But in every single situation, mm-hmm. um, that employee reduced the productivity of the team by as much as 30%. Oh, wow. So you're already losing the money by employing this person because yeah, you know, one of the examples, and I had, um, so I had, I had this employee. Let's call her Rosie because that's her name. Um, <laughs> she was initially, she was very productive. Like she was, she came in. She's a strong woman. She's productive. She's competent. She's gonna fix it all. Um, but I remember at some point, like she would run around the office going, oh, and this was like the gesture that she would make. Oh, these girls, they just don't know what they're doing. Oh, don't just stand there, go sterilize something. She was so negative. Mm -hmm. She was so negative. And I, because of how competent she was, I allowed her to stay for a while. Sure. Um, But it had to be done. And, Mm. And you know what? The minute Rosie left, everything got better. Got it's her. just amazing. I've never, ever in my life fired someone and then have the rest of the team come to me and say, I wish you didn't do it. Oh, wow. That makes sense. And, that and makes everyone sense. will tell you when you fire someone, then you hear from people say, oh, that should have been done a long time ago. Oh, it's so much better without this person sure. here. Sure. Yeah. That person um, is affecting everyone. Yep. Um, I think I was I had a similar experience recently. But I think I agree with that. So let's let's talk about three things, top three things. Let's say you're going to hire me as your assistant, okay? Uh, and what three qualities would you really have to have as an assistant? Uh, or, you know, you can give separate qualities or similar qualities for uh, front desk, you know, um, assistant, and of course, uh, the associate. What two or three qualities that you would say, you know, the, the person should have it? Well, first of all, you have to have um, you have to have a very warm sort of you know um, uh, compassionate personality, right? Mm-hmm. For an assistant, I think it's critical. Maybe not so much for for someone in the business office, but for an assistant, you have to be authentically 
genuinely warm, mm -hmm. caring person. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, the second one is detail oriented mm -hmm. for assistants. I mean, everyone, you know, it's important quality for everyone, but especially for assistant, it's detail oriented. Mm -hmm. um, and the third one, you have to be, um, you have to have the initiative. Mm. Um, you have to take initiative. You have to be willing to take the initiative. Like right. when you have an assistant and they sit next to you and they glove up and then the, they'll like, they'll sit next to the chair and their arms are on their lap. <laughs> like that's yeah. no, 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 no. That's, yep. okay. an assistant needs to be like, you know, like they're catch, trying to catch a ball or something. They have to be like, I'm open, like hit me, come yeah. at me, you know? <laughs> that's, that's a quality of a good assistant. If they're not like that, then the, if they're passive, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm not going to hire them. And so one of the things that I do in my practice is I do group interviews. Mm. And I love doing group interviews, not just in my practice. We also do this. Well, we don't do it because of the pandemic, because it's kind of weird to do it over Zoom right now. We're interviewing over Zoom, uh, not in my practice, but in, at Yappy. Sure. Um, but um, we do group interviews from uh, uh, where we first we interview candidates over the phone. Mm. And I'm very... Um, I don't know. You didn't ask me that question. I sort of went there myself, but I might as well mention this. So when Please we do. get resumes, yeah. uh, we also ask them for something to do something specific, to take an action on something. Okay. And if they don't do it, then we don't interview them, no matter how good their resume is, because that just tells you where their head is. Got it. Like we'll ask them to include cover letter or to answer a specific question. Mm. And I remember um, we were interviewing for something. And by the way, when I talk about it, people are always like, what, you in California, there are lots of candidates. Mm. That's true. It's a little bit easier for me because I'm in a part of town where there are a lot of candidates. But even if you're in a small rural area, there is a mm. version of that you can still do. Um, you just It's going to take longer to find the right person, but you'll still find them. Got it. Um, we, you know, and she said, you know, we got hundreds of resumes, but only 10 people. Qualified. Uh, included their cover letter. Mm. I said, well, you don't need hundreds of people. You only need one. one. So yeah. you'll find one out of 10. But these are the people that are, they read the instructions. Like you need people who can read the instructions, right? Right. You, and need, you need people who follow. You don't want someone who just sends resumes to everywhere. Sure. And here's what happens. we Everyone complains that you schedule interviews and people don't show up, right? Mm. You know why they don't show up? Because they've applied to hundreds of different jobs with zero intention of actually going. They're Makes just sense. spamming. And mm. maybe something will hit. Maybe they'll find something that's like really attractive to them. Yeah. But for the most part, they're just sending out their resumes. And then Got you it. call them and they're mm. like, huh? What? what <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come. Yeah, I'll come. Yeah. And then they yeah. don't show up. That's the reason. Yeah. So we, we, screen, we really pre-screen those resumes. And then... We invite them for, uh, we talk to them on the phone and then we invite them for a group interview. Mm. And in the group interview, I'd like to, we invite maybe like six to 10 people. Mm. And of course, someone still doesn't show up, even right. though you <laughs> them carefully. But that's a nice thing. That's one nice thing about the group interview is that even if they don't show up, you're not wasting that hour that you schedule for interviews. Yeah. You schedule one hour for six to 10 applicants. Sure. If somebody doesn't show up, it's fine. They've, they've self-eliminated. Got it. 
And then you interview them at the same time. Mm. And what happens is you really see their behavior in a room with other people. Mm. You see how they act in a group. Sure. And it's so important because a lot of people interview well one-on-one -on -one, and they know all the right answers to the stupid questions that we ask them. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> well, I see myself chained to, to your dental chair for, yeah. for the rest of my life because right. I just want to have one job for the rest of my life and I'm going to put the loops. Yeah. Um, yeah. What makes you a team player? Mm. Well, because I play well for the team, you know? Mm. I, I mean... Yeah, the common answers, no, yeah. Yeah. No yeah, one ever says, answers. you know, oh, what is your best and worst qualities? Why should mm. I hire? You know, oh, nobody says, you know, my worst quality is that I'm just not a team player and I'm mm. always late. Like no one ever says that. Yeah, what no do people say? say? They'll sure. say they'll say things like, um, well, my worst quality is that sometimes I just work too hard. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, yeah. I am too dedicated. <laughs> I show up too early and then I don't know what to do with myself because I just want to get into work, but I don't want to <laughs> clock in too early, right? Like that's what they tell us. I got it. I got it. So but yeah. in a group, when you have people sitting in a group, this is when you see how they interact with each other. This is mm. when their real qualities come out. So if sure. you're looking for someone who's warm and caring, mm -hmm. you watch them in a group. And if you see that, you know, they'll walk out and they won't even hold the door for the other person. Or yeah, they won't say bye things. to the receptionist. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. the small things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, um, I do, actually, and I don't know if I should... Uh, mentioned on still still all of my secrets on the podcast but i throw a little piece of paper on the floor uh. before they walk in and um and i watch if anyone picks them up I, and, and it's funny because i once had an associate who kept like she kept walking by the room and she kept picking up the piece of paper and i'm like jamie you're messing up with my process here i get it you're dedicated to yeah. but you know like if people walk by and a piece of paper on the floor and it's like a crumble sticky note it's not yeah. like something disgusting yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah. But if they keep walking by and they mm. don't you know pick i don't necessarily judge it against them but i look for people who will pick it up because i know that these are the people that are willing to go just a little extra mile um, and they don't know that it's a test. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, I'll stand and I watch them leave. Do they say bye to my receptionist? Do they, um, do they, do they talk with each other? Are they friendly with each other? Mm. I ask them all the same question and then I pay attention. I don't care about the answers, the, the questions that we ask in a group interview, because we have them, the candidates that we select, they have a follow-up interview. Sure. And I ask them simple questions like, what books are you reading? Or, mm. you know, what uh, what is mm -hmm. like your number one favorite sports activity that, sure. you, you know, how do you take care of yourself? How do you keep organized? Like sure. we ask like those, those kinds of, simple. why do you want to work here? Mm. That's Actually, that's another good test question because um, I recently hired someone for front office who is great, um, who told me that the reason why she wanted to work is because when she, in this particular office is when she went on our website and she saw team pictures, she wanted to be a part of that team because it looked like we were having fun, fun. together. Yeah. But to me, I mean, first of all, it was the right answer. It was a mm -hmm. good answer, but to me, it also was important that she went on the website to look where the office is. Like yeah. she, she went through different pages. Like she, she wanted to learn and prepare. That's an important quality, someone mm -hmm. who's proactive, right? Got it, got it.
And I didn't invent any of this. this is, <laughs> I borrow a lot of the things that I, that I do actually come from Tim Ferriss. I know you're a huge Tim Ferriss fan. And I have a funny story about this. I, I remember being, uh, well, I don't know if it's that funny, if it's really even a story, but I remember the first time I became aware of Tim Ferriss, I went yeah. to get a coffee. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's always like people sitting in the coffee shop during the day, like on a Tuesday uh, at 11, reading, you know, reading books. And right. I walk in and this guy is sitting there looking, uh, reading a book, having his coffee, reading four hour work, work, work week. week. And mm -hmm. I and I my first thought was like, of course, someone who is in a coffee shop at 11 <laughs> on Tuesday, instead of being at work, reading a book about how not to work. Yep, know? yep, yep, yep. But, but the truth is a lot, you know, and I, I work, I feel like I work 24 seven, you know, mm. but I, a lot of the, I mean, he's just an amazing productivity expert. Sure. Um, and a lot of what I do is actually coming from him. A lot of what I do comes from Cameron mm -hmm. um, Harold, whom I just interviewed recently on my show. Mm -hmm. A lot of it comes from Mike Michalowicz, whom I interviewed I always like I was like so fangirling over this. Um, yeah. I interviewed Mike Michalowicz uh, Wednesday. Yeah, this Wednesday. So the, the interview is going to come out pretty soon. Okay. Uh, so all of this, Howard Ferran, yeah. uh, Sandy yeah. Perdue, all of everything that I do comes from these people. I just sort of amalgamated it in, into my mm -hmm. own version. Um, I, mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't have I don't have an original idea. Everything comes from from great people who you know, like Howard Ferran, whom I consider my mentor, I've learned so much from him. There was, um, uh, we also interviewed Dr. Howard Ferran, uh, and it was a big deal for me. I was like, okay, you know what? I've got Dr. Howard Ferran. I don't think I need to interview anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, in a way, uh, I felt accomplished, and he was really nice. He spent, you know, um hour and a half, two with me, and, 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 you know, I had so many questions still left, you know, I was like, oh, please give me, give me 45 minutes more, please, please, you know, but, you know, he's a busy man. Uh, I'll catch him someday. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, uh, Yappy. Okay. Um, I know uh, some people who don't know about Yappy, uh, you know, please give us like 20 second view so that they, you know, audiences can understand what Yappy is. So it's practice automation software that um, integrates seamlessly with practice management software like Dentrix, Eaglesoft, or Open Dental or PracticeWorks, and um, it uh, automates a lot of busy work in a dental practice. Um, it automates uh, pa um, uh, paperless forms so that the practice doesn't need to, um, you know, print and and retype and shred and scan um, everything. You know, it allows practice to go paperless with pretty much everything. And by the way, paperless is not uh, about paper, it's about the process. And I can get a little bit into this if anyone is interested. Um, it also automates uh, patient reminders, recall, acquisition of online reviews, which, which is incredibly important. Um, you have to talk to Josh Austin about online reviews on yeah, your pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it automates. Uh, it automates intra-office communication. It automates marketing. Automates a lot of other uh, functions. We are coming out with online appointment scheduling and a patient portal um, and credit card processing in the next couple of months. So a lot of different things. But our goal is to really simplify um, the administrative part of of running a dental practice. Great. 
for people who are interested to know more about uh, the reviews, sorry, the the features of uh, Yappy, can simply go into yappyapp.com. Am I right? Yes. Um, Y-A-P-I-A-P-P.com. But uh, this podcast, I want to try to be a little different here. Uh, I'm not trying to find out what Yappy does. Uh, there are tens of tens of podcasts and videos and audios and YouTube is full of that. Uh, but I think I'm trying to understand the startup story of Yappy. I'm more into the entrepreneurial side of it. You know, um, uh, first of all, why? Why did you even, you know, develop a software company uh, when you were successful, successfully doing one or two or three, whatever, however you want to count it? Uh, offices and and dentistry can be really productive especially when you yourself are are the dentist and you know do a lot of work and you can be very uh, productive so why yappy that's a great uh, question um so originally yappy was actually designed for my own practice um mm. practices um when i and I, I think i mentioned it earlier when i started my first practice my idea was that it's going to be completely paperless and uh yeah um, and again, I mentioned earlier that paperless is a process, not um, necessarily about paper. Mm-hmm. And here's the difference. The, pro- the a lot of offices are chartless, which means that, you know, we have there's a piece of paper that gets filled out, that gets scanned, and then someone retypes this information while the patient is waiting uh, to be seated. And then we shred this paper. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no point in doing this. And, and every office... I go to every medical office, you're like, okay, sign in, sign your name, sign what time your appointment is and which doctor you're seeing. Like, what's the point? That information yeah. is already in your software system. Mm-hmm. And then you have to peel off that HIPAA sticker. And what do you do with that? It's sticky. You can't shred it. You have to stick it on something before you shred it. You have to roll it into a little bowl. Like, how do you dispose of that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah. and, and if you go, walk through a dental practice, any dental practice, you will see so many of these useless processes. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what paperless is all about. It's a workflow that doesn't in the paperless practice, patient types in the information on an iPad or online, and that information seamlessly populates into practice management software. There's no shredding, no printing, no data entry. None of that is involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the goal. We wanted to automate a lot and streamline a lot of processes. Now, mm-hmm. I probably alluded to that when I said my office is is very organized. Everything has a label and a place. I am generally interested in workflow management. Like Mm -hmm. that's my, that's my thing. Everyone has a thing. My thing is um, streamlining processes, the way we work. And I I love, I love SOPs, standard operating procedures. Yeah. I love how, so let's say McDonald's, right? McDonald's has a box and and Howard talks a lot about, I think that's why I get it. Like I love Howard Grant so much. I've learned so yep. many things from him. Mm. So McDonald's has a, a box for chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. You can only put so many chicken nuggets in that box. Sure. If you put one less, uh, or, you know, one if more. you let's say like five instead of six, it's going to be too loose. If you're going to put one more, the box won't close. Like that's how systemized they are. Sure. Um, another friend of mine talks about systems a lot. This Mark Costas. Like that's yes. how we love this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this software kind of started as a, my way of wanting to systemize things. And even though I wanted to be paperless, <clears throat> I found out at some point that I was, we were like generating paper. We were like Enron constantly shredding stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and I even yeah. wrote an article at one point, which didn't go well with millennials because they had no idea what I was talking about. But I was sure. like, 80s cold and they want their sweaters back, right? <laughs> so, 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 um, so that's how like we started. Um, mm. I'll give you another example. So it was Every basically... Time- it was basically scratching your own itch and you wanted to Absolutely. implement uh, implement uh, in your own offices. Now, where did you get the initial uh, technical know-how? Uh, or was it your father because he's a software engineer? Uh, or... Well, Go ahead. Yeah, it was my father. I mean, here's the thing. I know people who started or tried to start a software company and mm. they didn't do very well because a lot of times when you hire Mm -hmm. um, a developer, you outsource this, you can spend a lot of money and not get anywhere. Um, So for me, it was just fate, luck. I don't know that my dad was, was able to do that. Um, Obviously. And this is, you know, people need to understand this, that, that um, in like one, out of 10 startups, actual software startups actually survives, right? Sure. Like that's not just because you have a product doesn't mean that you can sell it, market it, build a company around mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just getting the product developed, like that's a huge thing. And if yes. my dad wasn't able to do it, I don't think um, I would have done it. Now, interestingly, I had a different idea for software before that. I wanted to create a... Uh, uh, a software for um, inventory control for dental practice because we mm. literally have like thousands of things in our practices and right. we're spending I, I so much that. money on this. Yeah, I so um, I, I'm mm-hmm. friends with a guy who designed Zen Supplies. Mm. Well, started. I don't think he's he's not the engineer, but he started the company, and that's a great product. But that was my initial idea of what I wanted to design, and then you know this ended up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was actually working with a friend mm. who has a software company um, trying to get him to design this product for us because my dad had a full-time job at the time. Mm. Uh, but when my dad retired, uh, I asked him to design uh, this, uh, you know, practice uh, automation software for my practices. And that's how Yappy started. Got it. How much time would it took you to get into the alpha phase or the beta phase for for Yappy app initially? You, you know, I talked to my dad um, about this a couple of times and he was like, okay, okay. And then one time he calls me, he's like, okay, tell me again what you're trying to do. But don't <laughs> design it. Tell me what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, what's like the end result is. And so I told him and he calls me the next day and he's like, okay, take a look at this. And he just showed me what the prototype will be. Um, But but it was incremental, meaning that we didn't come out with this idea. So at first it was intra-office communication piece. Mm. Then we added paperless. Then we added uh, patient communication. Then we added yeah, online of course. Yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, so that took the, mm. pro- we're still adding new features. You know? Right, so right, it, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was probably a year that we really, it was from the day that we had that conversation and he showed me the prototype. Mm-hmm. It was maybe like a year uh, before it was something Life. that we could actually put on the market. And again, that wasn't the goal. Um, and, you know, my dad was sort of doing this as a hobby mm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's um, but that's how long it took. 
So, so it took you one year to, for the prototype to come into the market. What gave you the confidence at that stage, you know, or you, you know, maybe your father uh, that okay, you know what, I'm ready to ship it and we'll see how it goes. Was it the feeling like that, or was it like, oh no, I'm pretty confident, it's pretty good, and people people are gonna like it. What was <laughs> what was your feeling? You know, I'm still the, not confident. Uh, no, the <laughs> the. Um, so it wasn't really like that at all. Um, we, mm. like I said, it wasn't, you know, it took a year to get to a point where it was like a really something amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started talking about it on Dental Town, not selling it. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, mm-hmm. when people were asking me, like, how do you do this or how do you do that? Well, people weren't asking me. People were asking questions on Dental Town, and I would come in and I'd say something. Mm. And then I casually mentioned that, well, we use the software mm. to do that or. Yeah. And, and people would ask, like, what software is this? Mm. And I um, I installed it in a couple of my friends' offices uh, because they wanted and they were my friends. And mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. would call my dad for help. And, mm. you know, if he, when he helped, you know, the tech, the money was essentially like in liquor. They would send him like a bottle of scotch or something, right? <laughs> um, so, and they started talking about it on Dental Town too. And, and one day, Mike Melker's, posted something on dental town that said yappy yippee me so happy Ooh. and it just snowballed we started getting called requests for demos and i'm like i don't know what to do with it so i actually and when i don't know what to do i turn to Ferran. so i called howard and i'm like i have to ask you a question he's like come come to um come to um, uh, dental town mm-hmm. so my dad and my husband and i flew to um dental town headquarters in arizona Mm. and howard brought in like 12 people with him they were uh people from um from from dental town magazine there were guys from his dental office today's dental uh like literally like full room boardroom and in typical howard's matter he asked one question then he answered that question then he talked for four hours yes then they brought in sandwiches he was <laughs> writing on the board he talked about everything but yeah. the software um and then he's like oh you know what sorry i gotta go pick up zachary dark side <laughs> of the room then comes back into the room and says you'd be crazy not to sell this yeah <laughs> but, don't don't sell it as um, as a on premises software. Do it um, as a subscription service. Got it. And then he left again. And so um, yeah. And he literally talked about he talked about his kids. He talked about Dental Town in Russia. He talked about Dental Town in Africa. He pulled up some statistics about Dental Town usage, marijuana boxing, like everything. Yeah. Yeah, the way I think uh, Dr. Farhan works is he he's talking something, but his mind is processing in the back, you know, in in the in the weird RAM of the computer of his brain, you know, it's it's processing, and then by the time you know he's spoken all the African stuff and the McDonald's stuff and everything, it's like oh, it has processed. It has to be right. subscription based, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like he's yeah. talking about Ray Kroc, and he's thinking about uh, you know what advice to give but that's how you know Mm. um last Mm. time i saw ferran was at the voices of dentistry i don't know if you were there but um Mm. no it wasn't okay um so he he was there and and he saw me across the room and he's Mm. like mopsy 
you, you got to write a book. I have a name for the book for you. Oh, <laughs> and really? He, yeah, and then he gives me like the concept of the book and the name for the book that he wants me to write. Sure. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to write that book one day. Yeah. yeah that, great, great. No, I can, um, <clears throat> I can understand and I can understand that feeling. Um, because I have interviewed Dr. Howard Farhan, so I posted on Facebook like, "Hey, I'm gonna interview Dr. Farhan. Um, do you guys have any questions?" I was like, oh, "No, no, 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 no. He'll speak. Yeah. You just listen." <laughs> yeah. Well, and I said, "Yeah, uh, but I think I, uh, I still um, try to kind of stop him and listen. Listen, I have a better question. Please let me." So you know, uh, <laughs> I was kind of stepping on on his foot a little bit, but I think I wanted. People, as I said, want to be have a different podcast. If somebody is interested, please listen to Dr. Howard Farhan on podcast at hashtag POD. Uh, going back to Yappy, so I, I love that initial story. I, I know not many people know about this part, um, which you've just already uh, spoken. Uh, now, since the inception of Yappy, uh, what are the key milestones? You know, do you think you would remember one, two, five, ten, whatever? You think that you know. You you just you just th those those milestones are etched in your brain, kind of. What was how was the journey like to bring Yappy to where it is right now? Yeah, um, good question. There are definitely a few milestones. Sure. Um, so I remember vividly. Remember maybe a year um, after the you know we we went to market. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you know when you start again, when you start a software company, you have to figure out so many things. You have to figure out how do you market this? How do you, you know, put together a booth at a trade show? Uh, how do you provide technical support? Because you, you know, it's it's sort of like, I mean, imagine opening a dental office without ever working in a dental office or even being a dentist. You know, like just like out of the blue, you just open a dental office, right? So obviously, my dad had um, experience with software, but he only had experience with writing the code, mm -hmm. working for, he worked for Toshiba, he worked for Bank of America um, as a senior architect, you know, he wasn't involved with any of the day-to-day -day operations ever. So figuring out how to put a team. So uh, I remember like the first year we signed up maybe 75 people cool. and and it, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was amazing because 75 people wanted to give us a chance, but at the same time, it was like, well, at this rate, like, is it worth doing this? Because it's distracting me from operating my practice. Sure. You know, do I, what do I do with this third practice that I signed the lease on? Mm. You know, like trying mm -hmm. to figure out where, mm -hmm. where you are and then deciding like, yes, it is worth it because this is something that. Um, I can always open another dental practice. Like if right, that right, doesn't right, work right. out, I can always do this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like mm -hmm. uh, my opportunity to experience something different in my career. Um, and I like I like the idea of starting from nothing and growing something. Mm -hmm. um, so so that so, was like a big decision. Um, and then that, that was decision, your first first milestone was getting seventy five subscribers in a way. Um, did you offer them uh, free subscription for three months, two months, one month kind of thing, and then uh, added the cost? Uh, how how was the initial years look like for you? Uh, we offered them. I don't remember the, those details already, but we had like a uh, like you can. 
if you spend this, then you mm. kind of like prepay your subscription for life, something like that. I don't remember. Like okay. it was, okay. Whatever. it was, I mean, yeah, we did, we did offer some, some good deals, but, but I don't remember the, um, mm -hmm. I think the first 11 customers had like a set fee. Okay. That, that was like ridiculously small. Mm. And then after that, it was actually regular pricing, but they were probably getting some, some discounts. I, I don't remember that. Okay, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Details. What other milestones you think you would remember? So, so 11 or 75, you know, customers you got. Um, any other milestones you remember that, you know, you well, just like... Well, leasing a place. So in the beginning, it was uh, my husband and my dad and mm. myself. And mm -hmm. then my brother started to work. But of course, my brother was working from home. Mm. Um, then my first dental assistant um, uh, started to, and uh, Al, it's funny, we were just talking about it. He's been with, he's 37. Mm. And he's been with me since he was 18. Uh, <laughs> mm. So that's, that's like pretty crazy. But um he was my dental assistant in my dental office. And then he, when we first introduced the software, I remember standing in the operatory and showing the software to him. And then he said, you know, what would be great if you could click that and reply back. Cause I was showing you how to send a message. And that's like, that was the, like the first two way texting in dentistry. Mm. Uh, so, so that was, that was, mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. And then he started to work out of my uh, practice in mm. the spare office. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we hired someone else um, and now we needed the, a place. We needed to, to have an actual office and just, mm. you know, renting a place and painting. And, and I remember, you know, literally painting a <laughs> logo on the wall, you know, to save money so that we don't have to buy a sign. sign. Um, you know, just, just making, making decisions. Like, can we afford to bring another employee on board? Mm. Can we, mm. you know, like any other business. Sure. You, try to you go through growing pains and then at some point you have so many customers you can't answer your phone i, I remember people in dental town saying like does yappy still exist like i yeah. no one's picking up the phone we're like no we exist oh we wow exist. we just don't have enough people <laughs> did you uh did you end up doing the customer service at that time picking up the phone calls and you know uh answering the questions um did you no, have to I I did okay. not. Um, I Well, mm. I went to dental conventions um, and I was in the booth and uh, but oh, they didn't your... let me do demos because I would then sell people. I, I'm a terrible salesperson. <laughs> I just I just need to uh, I'm 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 good at presenting dentistry because it's more of a, um, you know, I, I show them what the problem is and I'm mm -hmm. very animated so i'm very I, I use strong wording and strong imagery Got it. and so i sell dentistry well but when it comes to software i just talk too much i you know <laughs> my audiences so, are saying the same thing yeah talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> they stopped listening a long time ago <laughs> i'm just <laughs> like okay okay we, we like the 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 long the, the long uh um, podcast yeah it? Yeah, but, but this is too much. This is no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing you. Don't, uh, you know, I know you could handle that joke. That's why, you know, got a little more confidently joking with you. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so what were the initial marketing look like? So obviously it started with Dental Town and people were starting talking about it. Um, what was the initial marketing phase? The first phase of phase zero probably looked for you to get more subscribers and, does that at that what 
gave you the confidence at that particular stage? I want you to go back to that time when you were actually drawing uh, on that leased office, you know, the Yappy sign. And <clears throat> what were you feeling at that time? Is it really worth it? Am I making enough money? Is it worth my time? Uh, is it going to be as big as what it is today after, uh, you know, uh, eight, 10 years? Uh, what was you thinking at that time? Number one, number two, and what made you continue uh, developing the company at that stage? Uh, you know, fortunately, um, I've never been the type of a person who really worried about money. Like I, even in my dental practice, I don't, you know, I, I don't look at my reports as often as I should. I use practice by numbers, but I like, I, forget my login from time to time because <laughs> I just don't, you know, like I know mm -hmm. I should, which is why mm -hmm. I have it. Sure. But I don't like, I'm not, I never worry about money and, and it's a stupid thing to say maybe, but it's not good business management advice by any means. Mm -hmm. But to me, always like my practice always did well. Um, mm -hmm. So to mm -hmm. me with Yappy, like it didn't need to make money for me because my practice, was making money for me mm -hmm. and and um i so it was i never had that financial pressure of mm. and because my now you have to remember my uh top programmer my most expensive programmer was part of the part oh, owner so yeah. i didn't have to pay the programmer that was a huge deal because mm. i said as I said earlier, if I had to pay someone sure, sure. without being able to make sure that they're doing a good job, right, right, because right. I don't understand coding, mm. um, that could have been a disaster, but I didn't have that pressure. So for me, mm -hmm. I just had to make sure that we are making enough to pay our bills, uh, to it. pay the rest of the team. Mm. Um, it didn't need to be profitable. I never had that pressure. Mm -hmm. um, so what I was thinking is that I am just having way too much fun doing this and uh and i guess that's what gave me the confidence to continue yeah uh, i there were so many things that i enjoyed i enjoyed going to conferences and meeting people mm. and just talking to them mm -hmm. also visiting different places uh getting mm. occasional speaking opportunities um Got we it. didn't have a lot of marketing. It was just basically dental town. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, we, I had initially, I just had like a little uh, banner in my, in my post and it was mm. all organic. People were talking about us because we were right now. There are a lot of options in paperless, but we were the first company to put dental forms on an iPad. No one before us was doing this. We were the first company to have the true two-way texting without having to log in into some portal. Yeah. We were the first company to have communication on the smart watches. So wow. we were, remember what we, we talked about not being average? We mm. weren't average. We were doing something that people were talking about. Got it. And, um, mm -hmm. and now, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you here, but no, uh, so... Indeed, you were the first and uh, indeed there are other companies like WorkWeave and I don't know, so many companies out there. There's one every other day. Uh, but did you, did you ever feel threatened by, you know, oh, all those big companies like, I don't know, I don't want to name them anymore, but uh, all these new big companies coming up. Uh, or if, if, even if threatened is a strong word, maybe did you feel a little concerned, you know, you know, because of the new competition that's pouring in. Uh, and if you did, how did you handle it? 
you know, what was your thought process around that time? Were you okay with it? So, of course, you do. And and actually, you don't, I'm not threatened by either third party companies. The biggest gorilla in the room is Henry Schein. Yep. And Henry Schein at any point can say, you know what? Oh, we don't want any of these integrations anymore. Exactly. And, <clears throat> or they can create their own that's potentially better than, than what we offer. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the real threat, you know, the, the whatever someone designs software similar to us, that's not a threat. That's, you know, you have competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, early in the day um, talking to Brian Smith, uh, mm-hmm. one of the founders of Lighthouse, mm-hmm. when um, Henry Schein decided that they will um, only integrate with Demand Force. They mm-hmm. said, wow. Demand Force is the only integration that we will work with. And I just remember what Brian was going through tr- trying to, you know, mm-hmm. change that. Mm. Uh, Brian actually came to my office and uh, we, we had a really good friendly relationship with, sure, um, sure. with him and with Alan. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, and that thread still exists. I mean, any of these, com- we are the mercy right now. We have um, mm. a little bit of an issue with other company that is, they're just not being, uh, they're not, a, they, they want to work with us. They're just not being working on the same timeline as we are. <clears throat> which is understandable because we're a small company. We can pivot any moment. Like we, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I got to call F- XYZ company sure. and get the new API. Mm. And then I'm chasing after the the one guy who's, you know, supposed to give me that API sure. and, and he's just not answering my calls, you know, like that's, mm. so so that always happens. We're at the mercy of, of the software that we integrate with, sure. essentially. All of us are. It is, um, yeah, yeah all of the third party developers. Now, what about the APIs? Since you touched a little bit, I'm going to get a little technical. I'm not a very technical person, but still maybe a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> do you have to pay the licensing fees to Henry Shine versus uh, Eaglesoft and so on? Is Absolutely. There a, is there a big licensing fees attached to it? It's it's very noticeable. Yeah. It's very noticeable. And, and they can, yeah, they decide how much it is. I don't want to get, you know. No, 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 certainly not. The, obviously, no, 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 not spilling any secrets here. But no. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it affects pricing and it affects everyone's pricing. I don't know if they have different tiers for okay. other, like bigger companies or smaller companies. But mm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's Got a it. good size fee. But they have, because the- remember, they have products that, that, that we compete with their products. Right? Yes, yes, so yes, yes. they gotta make it worthwhile to have those APIs for themselves. Makes sense. That makes sense. So they, um, um, but they all of them have their own API systems, and you have, you know, after you pay whatever they're asking for, you have accessibility to them, and then you may or may not. Uh, then you then you may develop your product or software based on what the API they give it to you. Correct. Yes, and, and okay. what we can or cannot do also depends on what that API is. Yes, uh, yes, yes. You know, sometimes we'd like to have, so there are two ways of doing this. You can go through an API, which is mm-hmm. the right way to do it, mm-hmm. or, oh, thank you so much, or you can um, you can sort of hotwire it, jailbreak it, I don't know what the, yeah. the term is. Okay. And so the limitations of what we can do uh, through the API are, are, are there and you want to mm. do it the right way. Yeah. All right. I think it's getting more into the uh, non-compete clause uh, scenario. So, so we lost the last listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll be the first one and the, at least the last one. Let's talk about a good thing for Yappy, which happened recently, I think. Um, 
and if you can open up that'll be great if not that's fine it's still a good thing we can share um uh, yappy received a funding uh recently uh from a company m33 growth right that's uh, right uh Congratulations, by the way. Thank and, you. And um, I think it's a big deal. Even th- even if it's for a dollar, you know, I'm just saying, it's a big deal. Somebody gave me a dollar extra, right? I, I didn't have to put my own money, right? I was bootstrapping all this while. Um, now, could you share about your process of getting into, you know, uh, the initial funding? Was it, was it easy? Was it tough? Uh, did you like the whole process? How did you get into this, this realm? So we were um, obviously bootstrapped for the last 10 years and, um, and it was great. You know, we, we had hundred percent of the company and, and we, we were the only decision makers. We didn't have to answer to anyone. Right. Um, But um, when you do that, you kind of limit the growth opportunities and, um, we were contacted multiple times by different uh, firms, Mm -hmm. um, you, that that wanted to finance our growth mm. or maybe even buy us out completely, which sure. we weren't ready for because like I said, I'm, I'm just having too much fun with this. <laughs> even though I'm working, I'm, I'm working my ass off, but yeah. I, I enjoy the process. Right. So, um, so that wasn't an option, but I did feel, you mentioned the competition. I'm not threatened by competition, but I did notice that because we didn't have a big development team that, um, you know, we were first in everything for a while mm. and now we had a lot of companies kind of starting to catch up with us. And, and, and I did feel like you, you start feeling like that, that breathing, breathing in, yeah, in, in the back of your neck and, you know, mm. you have to do something about it. And, and so we started to entertain the possibility of working with a company like this and, and taking the investment. Um, and, and this company we felt was a little different. Just their approach was a little bit different. They were a lot more collaborative mm. in their approach than what we've felt from other companies. And so uh, we we decided to take an interview with them and um, and we had a good experience. Again, it was like a good feeling. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone, like when they, you know, they approach you, everyone is friendly. That's like first date, sure. right? Like yeah. you're, everyone is kind of nurturing this. Mm. But we just had a very different feeling about this company and, and how they were approaching things. And um, the process, when we agreed to it, the process was grueling. I mean, it's like the amount of due diligence that a company mm. does before they give you money is, is insane. <laughs> and when you're in a small company, you don't have everything as organized as... You they know, want as, as much as, as they, they want. want. Yeah, they're like you don't have spreadsheets as a small company. Mm. And um, we, I have a friend. I think I mentioned him earlier. He actually has also a similar comp- software company as we do, but he's uh, providing the paperless service to banks and universities. He's on a much bigger level. Mm. And so what we knew from him is that the process will be grueling. But what a lot of companies do in preparation for mm-hmm. an investment is they take like a year to get everything prepared and set up we didn't do that okay. so here we found ourselves trying to do that while running a company in a very short period of time mm. so that was that's the the process was insane and i mm. felt like it was over summer and we you know i was like on zoom every, i would every wake day. up uh take a shower put some face on and and be on zoom <laughs> the whole day yeah. uh just yeah. completely exhausted and i'm 
you know, it's, it's actually interesting because mm. sometimes we were with um, attorneys and bankers on the phone to like 9 p.m. California time and they're from Boston. Okay. And I'm like, you know what, for any dentist who thinks they work hard, they should see what like M&A bankers and attorneys do because yeah. that's just, that's just crazy. crazy. Um, mm. But, but when it was done, it was just, it was incredible because we, we had a really good feeling about the, this company. And when they came in, they just, they have so many great ideas. They gave us so many resources, hmm. um, really helping us organize things that were not organized before we built this uh amazing team technical team very very quickly to help us start you know really scaling the software is, it, is the whole company uh, sorry the whole team in based in the u.s or yeah. around the world okay no okay. everyone is here we we have one office in newport beach where the technical team mm -hmm. is essentially located mm -hmm. uh we have um uh, another office in Studio City where we're located and that's where the support mm -hmm. and marketing and, you know, um, uh, you know, all of the other yeah, basically the rest of the, employees the rest are, of the yeah, area. non-technical. Yeah, yeah non-technical. And then we also have, we have a couple, we hired a couple of people who are not um, in California, just like, you know, in mm -hmm. Oregon, um, Seattle. Got it. Um, and we, we're starting to open a, um, a location in Austin. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's to support our like central and and um, eastern um, uh, time zone customers yeah. a little yeah. bit better to open earlier hours, and that's the kind of thing that this you know venture investment does because we without that we wouldn't be able to do that. Sure. Um, Where do you see Yappy in next? three years or five years? I'm not talking 10. 10 is too far in these today's date, especially in the software and industry. Next three years, where do you think Yappy is going to be? Have you heard of a Vivid Vision? I think so. Okay, so the Vivid okay. Vision is a concept designed by uh, Cameron Herald, where it's Vivid Vision is a document that you create um, that describes what your company looks like three years from now. Mm. And it's written in a way as though it's happening today. And it's a tool to communicate with your team, yeah. to communicate with your- um, The final vision. Yes, what, yes. you know, imagine like if look? you wanted to, yeah, if you wanted to build a house, you would drive around your neighborhood, you would uh, take pictures of the of the houses that you like, you would tear out pictures of, of magazines, and then you give everything to architect and you say, build me this, right? right. And, and the architect will create blueprints that he'll give to a contractor or a subcontractor. And these people whom you never even met will build you the exact house of your dreams. This is what Vivid Vision is supposed to look like. And I just recently, just like last Wednesday, I think, shared my Vivid Vision um, with our team. Mm -hmm. And so here's how I see this. I Great. see that us again as the company that is known to not only put the first paperless forms on an iPad, but a lot of different firsts. We're innovator, we're a thought leader in our industry. Mm -hmm. um, we provide an incredible customer service. That's what I want to be known for because software is easy. Mm. But this one thing that I emphasize all the time to my team is that, <clears throat> and this is part of, you know, the advantage is being a dentist, practicing dentist with a practice. I know 
how our customers are functioning. I know yes. how stressful it can be. Mm. I know what happens when your software goes down and you can't get anything done. Mm. Um, I know how difficult it is to call support and be on the phone for an hour trying to fix software. I hear you. So I hear you. we're changing a lot of things technically. We're doing a lot of development. We're changing complete infrastructure of our software so that it's more easy to, you know, um, to support that it doesn't crash as much because so we're not that uh, dependent on the local environment. Right now, we install it on a server, so we're at the mercy of whatever the setup is, and the Got setup it. could be great or it could be a complete mess. Yeah. Sometimes the firewall will kick us out, and there's nothing we can do exactly. um, to help those customers. So we're we're rebuilding the process to be less affected by those those uh, factors. We're rebuilding the software by introducing a lot of different features that. <clears throat> I'm not there yet. And I don't want to get ahead talking about yep. the product, uh, but we have some really, well, I have some crazy ideas just because <laughs> I always have crazy ideas. Um, and I hope that we can actually met, you know, we could make it happen yeah. as a software product like we've done before. Yeah. Um, but I always emphasize the quality of the customer's experience working mm -hmm. with us, whether they're just onboarding or we're installing something for them or we're introducing a new feature to them. Got it. <clears throat> we, I see us as a company that creates a loyal following because that's what we've always had. You asked me about marketing mm. and I didn't tell you anything about marketing because we've never really done any marketing. Got it. The, the only marketing we've done maybe in the last couple of years, we've done some digital marketing. We have some social media influencers talking about us. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. We have some, um, Josh Austin wrote a really nice article about us in um, in Dental Economics Magazine. We have an ad in in Dental Economics Magazine, but that's very like that's that's almost nothing compared to what our competitors do. Um, I just saw I just saw one competitor uh, send out a flyer offering two hundred dollars gift certificate for taking a demo. And I thought, wow, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of like, I'll take a demo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Give me 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Why not? I'll take a demo. I have an hour. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, uh, there's, the, we don't have to do marketing because we've always provided good experience to our customers. Customer service, yeah. And lately we've hit growing pains because we had more customers that we could, like I said, we like, sometimes we couldn't answer our phone. Um, so focus, laser focus on, on, on customer experience so that we continue to have loyal customers who are talking about us so that we don't have to, you know, pay $200 yeah. for exactly. demos, which is, which I, I, I mean, it's great, but I think it's, it's a little crazy. Got it. No, no. Uh, that helps a lot. I think, uh, um, Tim Ferriss also has interviewed, uh, I, I don't remember names except Mopsy. Um, but, um, uh, he's also interviewed somebody and, uh, she, uh, is in marketing based in New York and she used to do, a, um, uh, an exercise with all her students, you know, um, and she would say, it's, it's, it's about the vivid vision, by the way. Um, and she would say, write it down what you think you will get in 10 years or five years, whatever you're visioning, Right. But write it in present tense, as you said, uh, in Vivid Vision. I'll certainly look uh, look up uh, about that and put a put a link for Vivid Vision also there. But I think the concept is very similar, and I have a very similar thing going on at my 
uh, screen on my laptops, my desktops. I have the same screen. As a matter of fact, my home uh, screen also has my vivid vision picture. You know, I have compiled different things together and, you know, placed at one spot. So anytime I hit, hit home on my browser, that picture pops up, you know, uh, and also um, the background. Anyways, enough about me. Um, let's talk about Dr. G now and uh, in a different way. You have two kids, you know, one huge practice now. You're founder of Yappy, CEO of Yappy, doing all this M33 growth stuff, right? How do you manage everything and still be in the limelight of every red carpet? <laughs> How do you manage all that? Where do you get the energy? What motivates you to do so much? Uh, what's that FOMO? Fear of missing out? Um, well, first of all, I, I believe in like work hard, party hard, right? Uh. So I, I love, um, I love to dance. I love to socialize. I, uh, you know, I, I miss the live action of, of dental conventions because I'm one of those people I like, I'll hug everyone that like I meet for the first <laughs> time. I'm like, Hey, you know, so, um, so for me, um, this is, you know, the, the, the limelight, that's not hard. That's just like me naturally. Uh, but also, um, you know, I, I just have a lot of energy. I can't sit for a long time. I actually have a standing desk because I can't sit for mm. a long time. Um, but I really, here's the thing. Uh, to say that I manage everything, it would be unfair because I, I drop plenty of balls. Like I don't. Mm. You know, sometimes I forget the simplest things, like pick up my kid's medicine or something, right? Yeah. From the pharmacy, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is, is that the reason it looks like a lot is because I um, I don't do anything myself. Like, no, I do some things myself, but I delegate mm -hmm. a lot. Okay. Um, I have a great team. I have people I can trust, and and they do a lot of the heavy lifting. Hmm. And so my job is really just deciding where we're going to go and delegating well. That's okay. that's all I do. Mm -hmm. um, again, to say that I do nothing is probably unfair, but it's sure. just as unfair to say that I manage everything well because I don't. I think there is a movie uh, with Sarah Jessica Parker, How She Does It. And the thing is, like, sometimes it's just it's, sometimes things are crazy and um Mm -hmm. I love to cook, but it, that means that a couple of times a week I need to order food because I just, I can't get everything myself. And it's not a realistic expectation to expect perfection. And whenever I talk to other female dentists mm -hmm. and moms and, and wives, I always remind them, like, don't be too hard on yourself. You, you're going to screw up and that's okay. That's part mm -hmm. of human nature. Yeah. I think I said earlier that, you know, if I'm going to fire someone for making a mistake, I would have had to fire myself a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but the key Makes is sense. really delegating. And um, and again, with delegating, you need to you need a couple of things. One is you need to have you need to have trust in people. Mm. Uh, I mentioned Mike Michalowicz earlier. Um, I interviewed him and he says that people are like water, right? They're like rivers. They'll flow in the easiest direction. Mm. So for an employee, the easiest thing to do is when they don't know how to do something or when they have a question is come to me and ask me a question. Mm. And I am also like, you know, I'm people, I'm like a river. 
Mm. Uh, the easiest thing for me is to answer this question. But it's key that instead of answering questions, you trust the people to figure things out for themselves. So what I started doing, and I found it really helpful, is I asked them back, like, what would you do in this situation? Got it. That's a good and, and you know what? Most of the time, they have the right answer. They just don't have the confidence that mm. it's the right answer. So you ask them, they tell you the right answer, and you're like, okay, great, you got it. But when you do this, you build confidence for them that they know what to do. And you also build confidence in yourself that... You know, you have the team that can handle things without your constant micromanaging. Mm, And if they don't have the right answer, then you have the opportunity to educate them on what you would do in that situation. And you kind of, you can, you know, sort of tweak their thought process a little bit, which is very important. But again, if you have a vivid vision, which you share with people, it's like everyone in the house know, everyone who's building your house know what they're building, what it's going to look like exactly. You hire the people who share your cultural values. Mm. You talk to them about what outcomes. See, you don't expect things to do tasks. You delegate outcomes to them, right? You tell them this is what needs to happen. So in the case of that, uh, you know, lost, uh, I actually, you know, it was funny, I was talking about the post earlier, that was the story about a lost post was uh, from Josh Austin's uh, Working Interferences podcast, uh, which I'm a huge fan of, huge. Mm. Um, He was, you know, he handed a post or a box of posts to to his assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, And he expected that it was be in the right place, but then they couldn't find them. And he was really upset. He's like, I can't trust them with something as simple as just putting a box of posts in the right place. And I think a lot of us experience that with our businesses. But the truth is, is that he knew the posts were out. He ordered the posts himself. He unpacked the back, the box in which they arrived. And then he just handed it to a system. He was assigning a task. What mm. he should have assigned is the outcome of, I never want to be out of posts again. You figure out how to, to get it done. Mm. When you can do that, that's when you can do a lot of things. If you're ordering posts because um, because you don't trust your assistant to, do, to, to make sure that you have the posts, that's when, you know, you just, you're, 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 you have too many drop balls. And again, I'm, you know, first of all, I, I absolutely adore Josh. I'm, this is not. No, no, no. I, I, I think, just, uh, I think you're saying, <laughs> Uh, I'm just picturing myself uh, in Josh's place too, uh, because I sometimes like, oh, I don't have those implants. You know, I got to order them. You know, I forgot. Or they won't know what size of implants. Even if I give them the sizes, they might order a different brand under, under you know, whatever. So I think I think that's that's the right, really good advice for anybody, you know, the, the owners and the managers at the office that that delegate the outcome, not the task so make more appointments i don't care how make appointments make my schedule busy that is the outcome not you know i'm not going to tell you what to do i mean i can help you make those spending reports but you got to work on it okay great great no no that's that's really good Uh, i think this last five minutes seven minutes were really uh great in terms of um getting the best out of this podcast, this this specific podcast. Um, so I, I think we've already spent more than two hours today. Um, I do have quick questions. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I can spend another hour easily with you. You are so awesome. But I'm going to try to only ask few questions here. 
Yes. Uh, if you have a giant billboard that you could display a great message or a quote for everyone to follow. Of course, not about your company, Yappy, or your podcast. What would you like to tell people or the dental word? Learn the business and leadership skills. Great. Uh, when you think of a person being successful, who are the two people that come in your mind? Successful. Successful. Uh, well, obviously, Howard Ferran. Correct. Um, and, and specifically in dentistry or in general? Doesn't matter. It could be okay. anyone. Uh, um, I'm going to say Alan Mead. Oh, great. Any specific reasons? I think uh, he had some issues that he had to overcome and he's, you know, he's so proud of it. And I think we're all proud of him. Um, I think we all have like demons that we deal with and he's just, you know, it's incredible that he was able to do that and talk about this. And he's just, he's mm. successful in dentistry. He's successful in podcasting and he's just, um, you know, in my culture, I'm Jewish. We say mensch. Um, yeah. Alan Mead is an absolute mensch and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I love him to death. Great. Great. Um, uh, do you have any advice to yourself, a younger Mopsy? Any advice to yourself? Uh, you know what? I, 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 I don't know that I do because uh, I think everything that I am today is a result of the, uh, you know, steps that I took, whether they were right steps or the wrong steps. I mean, they were, you know, that, that was, that's, I don't, I'm not retrospective in, in any way. I'm always forward looking and it uh, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Oh God, that's a good one. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, know. I wish I, I like you don't know what you don't know. Um, well, people something, ask me all kinds of questions. Right. Something you think you're really good at, but people never ask you. They'll ask you about yeah, but they ask your team management. They ask pediatric you about, dentistry. I'm a really good at pediatric <laughs> dentistry. No one ever asked me for that advice. All right. All right. So, guys, if you really want to ask about pediatric dentistry, <laughs> you know, uh, reach out to Dr. Gina Doffman from Yappy. Um, uh, it was it was beautiful. Yes, yes, it was great. You great questions. You were definitely prepared. It was a it was a pleasure to talk to someone who knew what to ask. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank uh, you. Bye. Would you like to get a really small email a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and some weird stuff that we gotten ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E-X-T-R-A. That's right. Podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. And you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD. And I'll see you inside. <laughs>